Welcome to the Love Life Church podcast, and thank you for checking us out. We love God, love people, and love life, and we hope this message encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. Good morning, Love Life. Well, what year is this? <laughs> you guys are doing better. Some of you are getting it. Some of you are still a little hesitant, but that's all right. You know what? The... the the exciting thing about what we do here as we gather together is, is that we're, we're focused in on the truth about God. We sing songs, and you notice the songs um, that, that we're all singing together, and what they represent is a God that's going to be there through the toughest times. I mean, we, we, we place this, uh, he's in the fire, he's in the storms, he's in the darkness, he's not far from us, he's with us. I mean, it's a constant thing that we do here as far as getting us to recognize that our God, our Father, will never leave you nor forsake you. It isn't going to happen. When you receive him, that's it. He ain't moving out. When God comes in, it's a one-way ticket. He doesn't have a round-trip U-Haul. He's bringing his stuff in. He's moving into the house of, you, of who you are, your spirit. And he's there forever. And in the, in the word, when he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you, it's actually written in the Greek as a double negative. He says, I will never, no, not never leave you. I will never, no, not never forsake you. I mean, just to emphasize the language is amazing because this isn't something where God's going, but if you do this. No, he just straight out said, I'm coming in, I ain't leaving. That's why you need to grasp hold of the importance of what the Bible teaches us and, and reveals to us in how to have a successful life. What we need to do to understand the truth of this faith in living life, not existing in life, but living life. And it's so important to recognize what God's word says to us. It's so simple to glaze over this. It's so simple to read through this. It's so simple to not connect the dots to your life when you are paying attention to this. It's so simple to hear a story and not receive a story. It's so simple. And that's what we have to do as far as our lives is concerned. We have to connect to this and receive it. I mean, even in Jesus' statement of love, he said, these are those that love me. And, and what he was doing is defining what love is. And the reason why is because we define what love is. We all have a definition of love. And then Jesus comes on the scene and says this, let me define you what love is. When you say you love me, let, you, let me define to you how I look at that term. And he makes it very clearly what it is. And he says, those who hear my word and do it. I mean, that's pretty powerful, isn't it? Your love is shown to him by hearing his word and doing it. Now, religion adds on 3,000 books after that statement, defining what was just said. 
hear my word and do it. He didn't say every single thing I say, you do it right now and don't you mess up, don't stumble, don't fall. No, he said, hear my word and apply it. Y'all know application of information is not perfection. That's really good. Application of information is not perfection. It's what we're supposed to do. It's the right thing to do. A child is, is born on this earth, and the child starts what? Growing, maturing, correct? And as that child matures, there is the process of what? Parents letting them do whatever? No, there's a process of this nurturing, this teaching, this ongoing 24-7 training. Even though for a few short years, that child is training us. The parents, you should have went, <laughs> yeah, amen. Because that child will sit there and go, uh, you think you want to sleep right now? Let me explain to you what time it is. I don't care if it's two in the morning. I'm hungry. I don't care if it's 4.30 in the morning and you just got up two hours ago. I want my diaper changed. Am I telling the truth or not? Exactly. And who's being trained? We are. Because they certainly aren't being trained by us and saying, eight hours, you ain't messing around. When you lay your head down, I'll come back in eight hours and check on you. No, it doesn't happen that way, does it? No. But what we do is we realize there is a responsibility in the process of what? Training up the child, training up the child, training up the child. Now, you can understand that or not, but everything you do is training up a child. If you believe it or not, it doesn't matter, you're training up a child. If you want to or not, it doesn't matter. If a child's in your house, you're training up a child. So ultimately, you know, that's how it's going to end up in your future, what you did in the past. So our responsibility is very clear. Train up a child, understand the principles of that. So what does that mean? That means recognize. Is everything I say the child's going to do? No. Are they going to stumble and fall through truth given to them? Yes. Are they going to get it right away? No. Is it going to take years for them to understand the language of clean up your room? Yes. Why? Is it that they don't get it? No, it's because how they understand what that means. It's their understanding. They don't, a three-year-old doesn't grasp cleanliness as a 13-year-old would or a 23-year-old would. But it's the same statement, clean your room. And what will a child do? They're, they don't look at the mess as a mess. They look at it as life. Is that a natural principle that would happen throughout the world? Or are Arabian kids at three years old cleaning all their room? No, it's the same way everywhere you go. That's a natural principle. And what that means is that's a spiritual truth to receive and understand. How do you do that? By taking it to the word. God says, Jesus said this, you love me by hearing my words and doing it. He didn't say you hear my words and you quick to obey and you never, ever, ever, ever fail. You never stumble. You're spot on. You get it and boom, there it is. You're the one that really loves me. That's not how he defined it. That's what religion does. It's tied to the heart attitude. It's tied to the heart of, I hear his word, and I'm going to start moving toward doing that. I'm going to try my best, I'm going to, and I'm going to believe to continue to work toward that. And you're, you're going to have mistakes. You're going to have failures. There's going to be pressure against you. And you're the greatest pressure against you. But that defines love. I'm trying to help you. 
That's all. I'm trying to help us not grasp this concept that teaches us something that totally denies what Scripture does. It shows us a life and a life of responsibility to live life with the understanding that there is no statement of perfection except God himself. And when we get that, we can move forward with this and know that there are going to be times when we want to quit. There's going to be times when we are exhausted. There's going to be times when, you know, we want to throw in the towel, whatever the case may be. But that doesn't mean you're a failure. It doesn't mean you don't love Jesus anymore. It means that you're getting a little overcome by the pressures. And a lot of religious Christians and religious people love to judge you based upon that. Because I can tell you right now, there are times when you are under pressure and you are under fire that everything doesn't look all rosy. So it doesn't mean you're a loser, you have lack of faith, you're not spiritual anymore. No. It means that you're in a battle. And what we need to understand is you don't win fighting a battle alone. Never. Anybody in here believe that you do? No. Isn't it interesting that when someone's in the battle, the first thing a religious Christian wants to do is attack them, point fingers at them. The battle should be a call sign of we need to help. We need to stand. We, want to, we need to build up. We need courage. Because what we need to recognize is, is what I've been talking about as when God says, you're a champion, that you're an overcomer, that you're victorious. When he makes these statements, those are true fact statements. But we ourselves have a difficulty receiving those. I showed us the outward attacks that we have to we have to fight through the people that know us, closely know us. And here we go through our Christian change and all of a sudden they're like attacking. Authorities attacking. All kinds of different outward attacks. And then we look at today the inward attack. And the inward attack is the most powerful attack and that is you. I was talking about in life study Life study is about life, and what we do is, is we go through the process of question and answers, and people ask questions. And in the process of questions, we get a clarity or an understanding that helps us in life because it's about life study. And, and in that, I was sharing about how when it comes to success, one of the greatest things, and this is life, this is, a, this is a separation of Christianity and normal life. When I talk about life, I'm talking about both of them together because they are. And what we see is, is that one of the key strategic areas of attack, his main attack upon your life and mine is the voice that we listen to. And the enemy understands this. And I was sharing of how I was listening to the scripture before I was going to bed in Genesis and how through the process of, of listening to the dramatized Genesis, I got to the place where the enemy was tempting Eve and Adam and he started speaking to them. And what is so interesting is, is 
the two that he's speaking to, and Adam was with Eve, but the two that he's speaking to had power and authority over him. As a matter of fact, when you look at Genesis chapter 2, you will see God saying this, I will create man and woman after my image, after my likeness. They will have dominion. They will have power over everything on this planet. He said, they're going to be just like me on this earth. Right? This is what they have. And this is what they know they have. In the garden, the serpent comes up and starts speaking. It didn't say an angel of light. It didn't say some, some supernatural being. No, it said a serpent, a snake, whatever you want to look at it as. One of the animals on planet earth rose up and started speaking to them. Now remember, God's already declared you have dominion, power, and authority over this animal. Everybody hear me? They already have power and authority over everything on planet Earth. That animal starts speaking to them. And the first thing it says, did God really say? Now listen to what I'm saying. The first thing the enemy attacks is our belief in understanding. First thing he does, did God really say you're a champion? Because I want you to know something. I know a little bit more than you do. Did God really say you can't overcome? Because to be honest with you, you haven't overcame for the past couple months. Did God really say that you are victorious? Because I can tell you that you getting laid off last week. That's not very victorious. And the enemy has been going through this consistently since the beginning. And he says to Eve, did God really say? Did God, he speaks in a way that attacks another voice. Now hear what I'm saying because this is very clear as far as the scripture in reference to the enemy's attack and our personal lives. Because your life right now and where you are right now is tied to who you've been listening to. Everybody in here. No one is exempt from this. Everything in your life is tied to who are you listening to? Now you might be saying, well, I haven't been listening to anybody. No, you've been listening to you. You're listening to someone. Everybody in here. And believe me, you talk to yourself constantly. Constantly talking to yourself. And I can promise you, it's probably like Twitter, negative. I doubt if most of the day you could... If we have the ability to, you know, record our minds, I doubt if you're going to play the recording of 24 hours past and it be over 50% good. Guarantee you it's going to be mainly bad. Lack of faith, attack oriented, everything that demeans you or you're not going to be able to. I believe that most of what you're going to be hearing is, is things that attack what God says about you. And I'm talking about normal everyday life. 
How am I going to fix this? I don't understand how I'm going to do this. Oh, man, I screwed up again. And you'll just go through the process, the process, the process. And you're not saying anything. You're just in here talking to yourself. I wonder why they thought that. I wonder what they're thinking. I wonder why they're eating that restaurant. Why'd they get that? How come I wasn't invited? And it's just so negative over, just, it's ugly. But see, that's what the enemy knows, and that's how he operates. But if you look at the beginning of Genesis, you'll see a picture that we all have to pay attention to. And that is what I'm talking about. Who are you listening to? Who are you listening to? Because if you look at the story of Adam and Eve, the first attack is the enemy questioning what God said. First attack, did God really say? Are you hearing me? Eve then takes up the fruit through her senses and partakes of it. Now that was, with Adam, I would say the most devastating act of humankind. The utmost rebellion. A complete act of dishonor. I can't think of anything worse than that action that they did. Nothing. Now I can look at us and we can look at ourselves and we can have all kinds of excuses, but we're talking about two perfect beings that have given everything, including power, and they let it all go over a lie. That's pretty sad, isn't it? Now I know if most of us were God, we'd end Adam and Eve right away and start right on over. I mean, we'd, do, we'd just go, okay, uh, we're making Bob now. Go to A, now we're in B. And if Bob screws up, it's going to be Corey. And then Daniel, but Daniel will make it for sure. But anyway. <laughs> but do you hear what I'm saying? What happens is, is there's going to be this, 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 this picture of devastation. And then we see this and our response would be, that's terrible. And that would probably be the right thing to think as far as what took place. God comes on the scene after the fall, and what do we see? Adam and Eve hiding. Why? Because they heard, everybody say heard. They heard God. God's walking now to engage with them the way he has been. We don't know how long this has been. We don't know how long this has been going on. Believe me, it hasn't been a couple days, all right? This could have been going on thousands of years. We don't know. The point is, is you can't gauge time like we do now back then. Remember, God said a day is a thousand years. So there's no, you, you have no ability to gauge that because we have the tendency to do that. Even when we're looking at scripture that has ability to be timed, we have the ability to relate to a specific time period. Even then, we're turning the page going day one, day two, day three, day four, day five. And we're talking, you could be passing hundreds of years in a turn of a page. But see, because when we just read stuff, we lose the concept of what this is saying. But what we have to do is we have to pay attention to this attack because it has to do with us. It has to do with our lives. It's the beginning of the picture of how the enemy operates, and he doesn't change from that. That is how he works against everybody. It's also the area of weakness in our lives. Who are we listening to? 
if, if you look at this, if you go to Genesis chapter 2, in verse 26, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them have dominion. That's government control. That's authority. That's power. And he says, you will have dominion, verse 28, you will subdue it. You will be in a position of authority over everything, everything that moves on the earth, everything in, in this planet, you are an authority of. Okay, that's the picture of what God gave them. That's what they have. You go to the, the, um, the attack in, in um, chapter three, verse eight, they heard the sound of the Lord sound they heard and they hid themselves all right verse 9 the lord god called adam where are you adam says this i heard your voice and i ran and hid i heard your voice i ran and hid that statement right there is one of the most, the most operated statements in a Christian's life that does not understand the love of God. In other words, they hear goodness or God speak through his word, through whatever, and they hide and run from him. They do something wrong, they hide and run from him. This is the concept, this is the picture of how our human nature operates. We run from the person we've been, should be running too. But you don't run to someone that you have an ugly picture of. You don't run to someone that you believe is against you. You don't run to someone you believe is an enemy. You don't run to someone that believes that you have no place in their lives. You don't run to them. You don't get hurt and run to the neighbor. Everybody got this? So what happens is, is we look at this picture because this is about our lives. Right now, this is completely about our lives. And it says that, I heard your voice, I ran and hid. And then verse 11 is the key. Who told you? Who were you listening to? Who were you listening to? That's God's question. They ran and hid. He says, who are you listening to? Pastor, how do, you, how do you become successful in, in this walk? How do you become a, a, a person that's able to keep moving forward? How do you do, how do, you do this? How do you do, I'm showing you this answer right now. This is the key. Who are you listening to? Who are you listening to right now? And you can answer that question. It's no, no big deal. Uh, mainly me. Okay, good. You're honest with yourself. Well, mainly my husband. Mainly my wife. Maybe mainly my, my, my mother-in-law. That's rare. Mainly my mom. But y'all listen to someone. Someone, my buddy, my best friend, my close friend, my partner. I mean, this is what we do. Who are you engaging with and allowing to influence your life? Like I said, most of the time, it's you. Now, you have other voices that are sounding off, but... <laughs> the truth is, is you believe what you believe. So if it lines up to what you already believe about yourself, you're going to follow that either way. But you're going to follow a voice. Do you understand this? And he says, who told you? Who told you? Who were you listening to? And then they go through the process of what? What people do. I got to blame someone. 
I got to blame someone. I need to point fingers at someone. I want, I want to make it clear that it wasn't all my fault. They have some. No, God wants you to understand something. You are empowered with choice. And you're not going to stand before him, go to heaven or anything else and sit there and get away with, it was all their fault. I was just there for the ride. Nope. He's going to say, no, no, no. You chose this. You chose, I don't care what you want to convince yourself, you chose this. And yes, we can be under so much pressure and, and so much deception and so on and so forth, but it still is your choosing. You're making a choice. And that's the thing we have to understand about life. Now, I'm talking about adults right now. I'm not talking about a child. I'm not talking about someone that, you know, is in a place of, you know, four years old and they have choice and they, they're, they're accountable to that choice. I'm not talking about that. So don't go that way, okay? We're talking about us, amen? We're talking about us right now. So we have to understand the power of choice. Now, let's look at the picture we need to see. And the picture we need to see is, is first and foremost, the act that took place. Complete, pure act of rebellion toward God that deserves great punishment. And after God gets through dealing with the issue at hand, he does something that religion nor people want to hear. And that is, he sacrificed an animal, animal, and he clothes. He personally makes a set of clothes for Adam and Eve. How do you, what do you do with that? Pure out and out rebellion, dishonor, disloyalty. An act of, I'm gonna hear this snake above you, mighty God. And what does God do? He gets them together. He creates an outfit and he clothes them. That's the God we sing about. That's the God we know here at Love Life. See, this isn't what people want to see about God. This is the truth about who he is. And what I'm trying to say is, is no matter how far you get, no matter how much you want to blame or excuse, you have a father that loves you. And in the midst of your failure, in the midst of your treason, he's going to make sure you're not walking around naked. Naked is the most vulnerable position in life. The most vulnerable. There's no greater vulnerability than being naked. And that's what it talks about, vision. It says, without vision, my people perish. The Hebrew word for perish is, is to become naked. Vision clothes you with purpose and destiny. Are you hearing me? But again, how do you create that? How do you see yourself? Because if you don't see yourself valuable, I can guarantee you're not going to see vision. You don't, if you don't see yourself worth in a position of value. You're not going to have vision. You're just an existing life. And God's wanting to understand you do have value and you are important. I started last week talking about Gideon. Gideon was 
someone that you would never assume would be used by God. He said he's the weakest of the clan, the weakest in the family, the weakest, weakest of everybody in his line of relatives. He's the weakest. And the angel of God comes on the scene to deliver Israel from literally being starved to death. The enemy would come in and steal everything that they would have. Every time they're about to harvest, the enemy would come in and take it all. Any time the, the Israel was about to have something that was going to help them, the enemy came and swooped in and took it all from them. Gideon was in a position of hiding, in fear for his life, trying to get something beneficial to him and his family that would help them in this time of need and hunger. And while he was doing this, he was hiding and, and, and keeping himself from any view of the enemy whatsoever. And God chose Gideon in a state of being a scaredy cat, in the position of fear, and said, hey, champion. And this is what the dilemma of being a follower of Jesus is about is as we are going to hear terms like that, that he's going to say to us, and we have great difficulty in receiving them. Why? Because our lives are tied to our past. And as long as we keep, keep focusing on that past, it will dilute or muddy the waters of true communication from the voice of God to us. So his voice becomes muddled. And we don't hear his because it's just over there. And that's because of us. Because the Bible says his voice is clear. It's not mumbled. But because of how we see ourselves, we affect it. I'm trying to get you to get the understanding of this is who you are. How you feel, what you're going through, is how you feel and what you're going through. But you still are this. See, this is the key. Now hear me. This is the key. Gideon is now going to have conversation with God. God says, you're a champion. Gideon says, you don't know what you're talking about. And that's what we do. We argue with God. God says, I'm going to deliver and I'm going to make an impact with you. And Gideon goes through the process explaining to God how that's impossible. We would never do anything like this, would we? Right? Never. We won't do this. And this is exactly what's taking place. So Gideon is in this position of, listen, I got proof. I got proof that I am the weakest of the weakest. I got proof. And God's going, I'm not listening. I'm not listening to your proof. I don't care if you went to Ancestry.com. Don't care. Because I am going to empower you to bring victory for my people. So he takes a person, Gideon, and communicates truths to him that in the natural are not true. Are you guys hearing me? 
They're not true in the natural. And that's the thing you need to understand when it comes to God. The natural is going to communicate the facts. God's going to communicate the truth. Facts don't make it true. Facts are just relevant to whatever it is you're studying. I mean, you can make a, you can make a fact out of anything. You can make a fact out of a lie. That's a fact. Not necessarily true, but it's a fact. It's statistics. It's something you're doing. Yes, that's a fact. They're, they're boneheads. It's a fact. It's a fact. They love enchiladas, whatever. Are you guys hearing me? So the key is, is we look at this stuff and we say, okay, God's speaking to Gideon. His words are speaking to him. Now he has a position of who's he going to believe. And when you, look at the, when you look at the life of Gideon, which is amazing, when you start looking at how God speaks, he sits there and communicates nothing but what he knows. What God knows, he speaks, and that's it. Gideon can only hear what he knows. So God's dealing with a person that has a different knowledge than what he has. So what does God do? He doesn't change. He doesn't go to Gideon and say, well, you know, I get, I got your point. And I can understand how you could see that this could be a little off in what I'm saying. But let's try. No. God communicates, him, communicates to him in the way that God communicates. And that is, I'm going to speak truth to you. How you feel or how you see yourself doesn't delete this statement, but it does affect the statement. It doesn't delete the statement, but it does affect the statement because, again, you choose. You choose. So when you look at the facts of what the Bible says, you start realizing, wait a minute. Ultimately, what am I going to do in this Jesus walk? Am I going to keep struggling and fighting this information? Or am I going to just start submitting to it? And I'm not talking about submitting to religion or this legalistic view. I'm talking about submitting to truth. What is God saying to you? What is he speaking to your heart? Because I can tell you right now, his voice is building, encouraging, and building faith. That's what God's going to do. And that voice is going to take you to a place of being able to overcome, even though the facts state you can't overcome. Truth always, always trumps fact. Are you guys hearing this? All right. So here we have Gideon making a statement of how can I? And God says, because I said you can. Now, last week we started, we looked at four truths to recognize your champion. The first thing is, is God says so, he does not lie. In other words, what God says is truth. He can't lie. It's not a choice. He can't lie. God can't lie. The devil lies all the time. He doesn't have a choice. It's who he is. God doesn't lie. He doesn't have a choice. It's who he is. The devil lies. He doesn't have a choice. 
It's who he is. Did you know, anytime you look at the enemy in, in his ability to communicate in scripture, you will see him start off on a truth and go straight to a lie. It's impossible for him to stay on truth. Impossible. So that means everything he states to you is a lie. He can start with one word or start with a word that will define you in the ability to go, huh? And listen, but the statements after, the sentences after are nothing but lies. Boy, that was a major screw up. And you hear it and you've already recognized that it was a major screw up. There's an agreement, there's truth. But then he doesn't stop there. He continues with what he does, and that is lie. God doesn't lie. He communicates truth and continues with truth. Get hold of this because this is the key to your life. I'm not talking about church. I'm not talking about church service. I'm not talking about living a Christian life. I'm talking about life. I'm talking about your marriage. I'm talking about parenting. I'm talking about your job. I'm talking about being an employee, an employer. I'm talking about everything. I'm talking about grocery shopping at Fry's. I'm talking about everything, life. And your ability to understand this is going to get you to a place of success or failure or the in-between place, which is not a good place to be. We're just existing in life. And we need to live life, right? The second thing is God has plans for you. The angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon. He said, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Everybody say, the Lord is with me. Say it again like you mean it. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. The Lord is with you. In the midst of your trials, in the midst of your problems, in the midst of the storm, in the midst of ugly, the Lord is with you. The Lord said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. We looked at 1 John 4, 8, and it said what? It said that his seed remains in you. It, it isn't changing. It isn't leaving. You are born again, and that's it. Just understand that. Amen? So we have the position where God's plans are for you. He's with you. God with you equals God's destiny for you. Amen? All right, so I looked at this scripture, and I want you to hear the scripture again. Now, I'm going to read the Bible to you. Y'all ready for this? I'm going to read God's word. I'm going to read the Bible. God breathed scripture to your life. You ready? I'm going to read the scripture. I'm going to take God's word, and I'm going to tell you what it says in Ephesians chapter verse two, verse 10, God's word that speaks directly to you. You are God's masterpiece. And see, this is the dilemma of the church all over the world. The word masterpiece is something that you look at and you don't sit back and go, no. When you're looking at something that's recognized as a masterpiece, there's awe involved. There's a response or an action that's different than normal. You can have someone's normal food and then you can have a masterpiece dinner and you're gonna have a different reaction. 
You can go on a normal vacation, and then there can be a masterpiece, all-inclusive cruise and resort. And it's going to different reaction. When you have the masterpiece, it's a different picture. Masterpiece actually is, uh, it comes from the Greek word poema. We get the word poem. And a poem is something that is well thought out from the feeling, from the heart, and created in that purpose. We get the word poem from the Greek word that God uses. In other words, you're not an accident. God created a masterpiece in you. Three people got it. You st- See, this is, like, what did I say last week? We have the most difficult time to even to accept a simple, just a simple statement about who we are. A compliment that's just little, and we have a difficulty over it. Wow, that's a nice shirt you have. Oh, this shirt? Oh, I bought it at Walmart five years ago. I mean, I got it on sale. Think about it. This is what we do. We have a difficulty in receiving a compliment. And here I am. I just said I'm reading God's word. I'm reading the Bible and what it says about you. And I just told you that you are God's masterpiece. And we have a difficulty in this. Or you either known it so long and so much that when you hear it, it's like, yeah, whatever. That's old school. I already know that. Maybe that's it. Maybe love life, that's most of you are in that position where you're like going, tell me something new. I already know I'm all that and some. I I doubt that, but anyway. (laughs) Look at, this is God's word, Ephesians 2.10. God has made us what we are. He has created us in Christ Jesus to live lives filled with good. Everybody say good. He has created us to live in Christ Jesus, live lives filled with good and works that he has prepared us for do, to do. Filled us with good works that is prepared for us to do. God has created us masterpieces to do good works. He's created masterpieces to do good works. Good works is everything is beneficial. Everything. Good meaning in the Greek language, everything is beneficial. The term good is a good tree, everything beneficial. A good ground, everything beneficial. A good God, everything beneficial. All right? That's the term good. He said that he created you, a masterpiece, for his good, everything's beneficial, works. You're created to do something big. You're created to do something awesome. You're created not to exist in life, but to live life and to live life large. That means every single day, you need to understand that this day is created for you to do big in. So when you're doing things, don't look at things in the way of getting by. Look at you and your life through the creation of being a masterpiece. 
And what's going to happen is, is your view, how you see yourself and what you're doing at that moment is going to change. Just as your image of knowing that you're a champion will give the ability to overcome areas that you don't normally overcome because you start entering into a position that goes beyond what statistics promote. In other words, a little, a little teenage David with no military background goes up against a giant, knocks the giant out, and slices his head off. Victory for Israel. How do you do that? Is it statistically possible? No. Is that a fact that someone like David can do that? No. What happened? He believed. He believed. He heard a different voice. And because of that, he did great things. He was a what? A champion. Gideon hears the voice of God, and he goes through this whole process of, I can't, it's not possible. How come God hasn't done this? How come God hasn't done that? This is what every Christian does. We go through the whole, whole list of, I'm not good enough. And, I, 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 and, and is God even caring about my life? Because I prayed three weeks ago and nothing's happened. And we go through this whole thing all the time. And this is the problem. God's trying to say something to you. He's trying to say, listen, ain't about your one-time prayer. It's about days, every day impacting life, your life and those around you. And when you start looking at life that way, things change. Everything you do, everything you do changes because your outlook in life is much larger than how you're living life. It doesn't take away from anything you're doing. Whatever your job is, whatever your trade is, you're involved in life. God isn't saying, give up everything and just walk around and carry a Jesus sign. It's not what God's saying at all. But I can guarantee you that you're going to deal with people through the day. It could be one person, it could be 100 people, but you're gonna deal with someone. You're, there's someone that we deal with and how we deal with that person is tied to our life. So are you going to be beneficial or we're not? Who are we going to listen to? Who are we going to listen to? Are we going to carry our issues and problems and put them in the forefront all the time? Or are we going to place them behind us, recognizing that I'm going to overcome all this. I will have victory in my life. And I'm going to do what I can to get that aside to help you. That's an unselfish life. That's a life of power. The enemy can't affect someone like that. It's when we come self-centered is when he has, he has a party. So we realize that in this scripture, we're seeing that God has plans for you. You're a masterpiece, and he's planned us to do great things. Amen? The next thing we have is, is number three, is God has empowered you. And the Lord turned to Gideon and said, go with the strength you have. Notice what he says to a scared Gideon. Notice what he says to a Gideon that has a low self-esteem. Notice what he says to Gideon that does not see value in his, I'm the weakest of the weakest. Notice what he says to Gideon that doesn't have a good image of himself. Notice what he says to Gideon. When all the facts state, this is the wrong person to pick. Turn your name and say, he's talking to you right now. 
the wrong person. But see, God doesn't come to me for advice. He looked at Gideon and he does what? Go in this power that you have. If I'm Gideon, like going, what? What power? Are you not even paying attention to what's going on here? I can't do this. You're talking to the wrong person. And what does God say? Oh, my bad. Let me move on to someone else. You've convinced me. You want to try this with God? You want to keep doing this? He's not quitting. You might think you won the battle. It's just you're talking so loud that you're not hearing him say the same thing he's always said. No, you can. No, you can. And you've gone months of going, it ain't happened, I can't. It's just impossible. I'll never be able to. I'm just like, I'm not going to do it. I'm gonna. And you just, you convince yourself that God's quiet. I'm telling you, he isn't quiet. He's waiting for you to just shut up and pay attention to what he's saying. And he's going to say the same thing. Go with the power you have. Yeah, but I'm the weakest. I'm the weakest of the weak. And he's going to go, okay, go. I'll never be able to do it. I'm just, I'm just a loser. Okay, go with your loser self then. But go. That, this is what God does. He's just going to go. Go. Go with this power you have. Go. And that's what God's trying to get the point across to us. We're listening to voices. We're listening to our voice. We're allowing people, we're allowing ourselves to rob us of the success that God has for us. You want to repeat last year? Keep doing what you've been doing. Just keep doing it. And then blame God. Blame church. Blame pastor. Blame. Because that's what human nature does. The woman you gave me, Eve. The devil right there. The devil. I don't know. I didn't do anything. He's a liar. The point is, is this is what's going to continue to go on in your life until you put the brakes down, the brakes on, boom, boom, and say, nah, I, I played this game too long. And some of us are great at it, but it's a losing battle. I'm just not going to go this way anymore. This is what happens when people recognize that, listen, I got to believe this above me. And what happens is change takes place. And believe me, everybody's going to see it. And most are going to hate it. And they're going to fight you on it. And they're going to argue their points. And they're going to want to pull you back because that's what people do. Instead of cheerleading you on, they're going to want to speak death into your life. Be prepared. And I know a lot of you have already been through this stuff. I told you about my story. I got saved and I thought, all the people that loved me, and there were a ton. And all the people that I influenced, and there were a ton. And all the people that thought I was the greatest, and there were a bunch of them. And when I got saved, everybody left me. No one loved me. No one wanted to have anything to do with me. What happened? Everybody liked me. I was popular not at only my school, but schools all over the valley. You could, you could ask people in Mesa and they'd know who I was because I didn't go to school very much. I drove around and visited church, different schools. But anyway, I was a little crazy back then. 
but I didn't know Jesus, all right? But the point of the matter is, is all these people, no matter where I go, if people would talk about hey, hey, McCluskey, man, and it doesn't matter where, people are going to go, yeah, I know him, I know who he is. And then I get, I get Jesus going, and no one likes me. No one wants me. No one wants to hang out with me. No one. One guy. One guy out of all my friends. And even he, in his acceptance, was like, I ain't doing that stuff. All right, it's cool with you, but I ain't doing that stuff. Everybody else, boom, gone. Everybody. And there's some heartbreak there. But I kept moving and kept going forward. I thought it was crazy because all I'm seeing is this is good. This is great. No more hanging out in the bathroom all night puking. No more driving, you know, and, and, and thinking, am I going to kill someone or is someone going to kill me? Ah, oh, let me see. I can keep going down the list of all the things that I don't have to worry about anymore. And no one's happy for me. They'd rather have me dead partying with them. Is that crazy? But that's the world. Because the world is about them, not about you. So there's not going to be many cheerleaders when you do make that stance. That's why you got to look to those that are making the stance as you are. Those are the people that you need to start engaging with and hanging out with. Those are the people you, listen, I'm not talking about alienating yourself and building a wall and building a little Christian city. That's not at all what I'm talking about. That's, that, that is far from my thoughts, all right? I'm not. But what I'm saying is, if you're talking about you personally in your life and living life, you need those type of people around you so that you can go out into the world and affect those people. Listen, that's what Jesus did. Spent time with the Father and had lunch with the sinner. I mean, they'd be drinking. They'd be popping down their margaritas. He didn't care. He didn't point his finger at them. He hung back and talked to them. Religious came by and do, and, and do what religions, religious people do. You no good. You hang out with sinners. You hang out with drunkards and drug addicts. You're terrible. You're terrible. And that's what the enemy does to all of us. He doesn't want us to be the light. He doesn't want us to be salt. He wants us to hide in church. And I say, that ain't the way we should live life. I'm not saying make best friends. I'm saying be a best friend. There's a difference between making and being. In other words, you're not conforming to them, but you're being the right person to help them. That's all I'm saying. Don't conform to their ways. Stand up, but don't alienate. How is anybody going to change? It's impossible. We need to be influencers. Amen? And the only way we're going to influence people is not to say, I'm better than you but to say, I know a way out of that pain. I know a way out of that mess. I feel it, I've experienced it, but I got a God that'll never leave me nor forsake me. I got a father that cares for me and I might not be perfect, but it doesn't matter. He still loves me and he ain't quitting on me. He won't quit on you. And we just talk that way and keep talking that way. And when you're talking to your three, the people that you're believing for, that's what you should be doing. Don't be preaching at them. Don't be quoting scripture at them. Love them. Just like Jesus loved the world. 
Amen? I mean, the, the woman caught in the middle of adultery, thrown at his feet, and what did he do? Loved on her. Loved on her. Pointed at religion, but loved at her. Amen? That's the God we serve. He cares about you. He's for you, not against you. But he wants you to rise up in that power that he's given you. Just like the angel speaks of Gideon. Go with this power. Amen? Go with this power. Go with the strength you have. 2 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10 says this. Three different times I begged the Lord to take this thing away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. Each time I begged God to get rid of this, he said, my grace is all you need. My power works in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. Good, Paul, you got it. Oh, God, take this, people. These guys are rotten mean. My grace is sufficient. That'll give you power. No, no, I don't think you heard me, God. They're terrible. They're hurting me. My grace is sufficient. There's your power. No, you're not listening to my prayer. You're not answering my prayer. Now listen. And what is God? My grace is sufficient. My power is in weakness. What was he saying? He's saying, listen, Paul, back up. Back up with thinking that you're all that and allow my power to work through that. I don't want you to go in and power your way through and go, look how awesome Paul is. Look how awesome I am. And that's God saying, no. I want you to get to the place of realizing that the empowerment comes from me. Gideon, the power you have comes from me. David, the power you have comes from me. You're going to be a champion and you're going to overcome, but it comes from me. In Deuteronomy, God says to the people of Israel, he says, hey, don't forget who got you this wealth. Don't forget who gave you the power to get your houses, your vehicles, your blessing. Don't forget that. Don't forget I'm the one who did this. You didn't do it on your coolness, on your all thatness. No, you did it because I am the God that does the good things. I am the God that meets your needs. I am the God. And this is what God's trying to say to us. Don't try to take accolades and pat yourself on the, bra on the back of how awesome you are. Don't do that. God is awesome. And when I do something good, I make sure to recognize his goodness. Even though I might be thinking, hey, that was pretty good. I still am giving glory to God. I'm still. Why? Because I understand where my wisdom comes from. I ask him constantly for wisdom. God, I need wisdom. I need wisdom on this. I'm just not getting it right now. Give me wisdom. And I go through the process always of expecting wisdom. So ultimately, when I do figure something out or I want I do do something right, I don't sit there and look at myself as, man, are you awesome? Because I know it comes from him. I do. I realize that. And by doing that, I know I'm going to keep getting it and keep getting it and keep getting it because God is powerful in my weakness. How was Gideon able to overcome and give victory to all of Israel over the Midianites? The Bible says that Midianites, Midianites came in innumerable amounts. They came as locusts over a land. You couldn't count how many people there were. And, God, and Gideon wiped them all out. How did he do that? Because he recognized that in his weakness, God was powerful. 
through the whole picture, the whole story of Gideon is about God removing anything that says we did this by our ability. And ultimately, Gideon's got 300 guys out of thousands that he did start with. And God gives them victory with those few people. That's pretty powerful. And that's what God's saying. That's what I'm gonna do in your life. I wanna do some powerful things. And you're thinking you need all this and all that, and you really don't. You just need to trust me. You need to believe me and go in the power that I've given you. And that was God has empowered you. The number four is God is with you. Verse 16, the Lord said to Gideon, I will be with you and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. I will be with you. I will be with you. God wants you to realize that he's always going to be with you. Never leaving you. He's never dumping you. He's with you. And he speaks to you today the same exact way. I'm with you in the long haul. In the fire, I'm there. In the darkness, I'm there. In the sun, I'm there. I'm always going to be there for you. That's the God I serve. That's the God I know. This is the God of the scripture. The one that literally should have just wiped out Adam and Eve. Just like that. But he didn't. Why? Because he's God. He's not me. He's not you. He's God. And the way he operates is so different than the way we would do it. He takes two people that committed the highest crime of all and he covers them. And that's what we have. We have a covering. When you look at yourself, I need you to see yourself in clothes that God fit you with. See, those GQ clothes you have on actually say JC on them. Jesus Christ. That's what you wear right now. Those are the clothes that you're fitted in. When you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, Father took the clothes of Jesus and wrapped them around you. That sacrifice, the body you are now a part of. Those are the clothes you wear right now. Now you can see the clothes you have on, the you right now. But I can tell you right now, God sees the clothes that he placed on you. And that's far more superior than what you get up every morning and put on yourself. So understand this. If you see this or not, if you see this or not, understand that you have been fitted and you're a masterpiece by God's definition. And that's a fact. The point is this, that we, we end this this morning is this. Ultimately, you can look at yourself and look at what you have on. You're going to start looking at the truth and that is God's clothed you with the Lord Jesus Christ. You want to see masterpiece? It doesn't necessarily mean you have to look at yourself. Look to him. Look to Jesus because that's what you wear. That's who you are. You are in Christ. The Bible makes it very clear that you were baptized with Christ. 
You are crucified with Christ. You are buried with Christ. And you rose again with Christ. That, that took place when you said, Jesus, I believe in you. All that took place in that, that, that bad prayer. But that's all it needed is you saying, Jesus, I believe and I need this. Thanks again for listening. To hear more encouraging messages just like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. If you loved what you received, please consider rating it and sharing it with your friends and family. For more information about Love Life and getting connected with us, go to lovelife.church. We love you and are believing God's best for you.